0: This is Conversations on Compassion by the University of Arizona Center for Compassion Studies. I'm Leslie Langbert. It's good to have you here. Welcome back if you've been a listener before. And if you are joining for the first time, so glad that you're here listening. I have a question for you. How do you feel about dance yourself? How do you feel about dancing? Yeah, if you're like me, it's probably not your favorite thing, maybe not something that feels really comfortable to do with a group of people. But I'm here to offer a conversation today that might change your mind about that. And if you're a person who loves to dance, and when I asked that question, you said, oh my gosh, I love it, it's my favorite thing, where can I get more? Then you'll really enjoy this conversation. I'm talking today with Valerie Charon. She is a certified instructor of Open Floor Dance. It is a contemplative dance movement and it's relatively new. Um, There are many, many different ways for us to engage with contemplative practices, practices that help us to know ourselves better and to Learn how to relate with ourselves and other people in better ways. Open floor is one of those ways. It's a transformative practice, a truly embodied practice that helps us to see aspects about ourselves that we may not have been aware of before, to help affirm things that perhaps we really like, and and maybe to help us work through some things that we'd like to. Uh, to move along from. Valerie and I talk about open floor, how it came about, how she got drawn to it, and where you can find open floor community. If you're joining us from Tucson, we are really fortunate that we have three certified open floor instructors in our community. And there are ways for you to join the dance I will start by uh, giving you a place to find more information. You can check them out at dancemoveconnect.com. Thanks for listening. Please enjoy. Yay! (laughs) How are you on this Wednesday?
1: Hmm, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have this opportunity to start sharing about Open Floor, um, especially with you since you have some experience with it, and just to practice becoming more articulate about it because it's such a little-known thing. So it's like I try and explain it to people in my life, and it's often met with silence. And, and sort of stunned look of what what right. incomprehension a little bit. So um, it takes a while to explain because it's new for most people. So I love the opportunity to have like an hour-long conversation where we can just be yeah. in the inquiry of what is it, right? Because I'm still discovering what it is.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited yeah. too. And I, it's so true. I know when I first heard about open floor right from mutual friends of ours and I hadn't yet met you and they were telling me how incredible it is and how it's this wonderful practice that really helps you on this deeper level to to know yourself and to be in community with others and I think because I wasn't really clear about what it was like on the inside I was kind of like I'm good with my yoga practice and my meditation <laughs> practice but then, yeah I stepped into it, and like immediately got it. Like I'm, which is a huge reason why I wanted to have this conversation about it because it is exactly so powerful that embodied practice. Um, so yeah, let's let's just start with uh, what is open floor. I know people are, are certified to facilitate this form of dance around the world. So let's just kind of start with, what is it?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll start by saying that it's a new practice. It's an old practice, and it's a new practice. So um, it's a moving meditation. That's the short and simple version. It's a practice which emotionally resources people to become more able to hold capacity for life in relationship, right? So when we practice on the dance floor, we can go off the dance floor and have more capacity to deal with upsets, to deal with what's not working in our life, to... um, look at things more objectively, and then work with them with our conscious minds. So it is it is a meditation in that way. It's including mindfulness, but it's doing so in relationship, and it's doing so in uh, movement. So that piece is sort of new. Um, geez, it's such a dense practice, yeah, right? There's in terms yeah, of how
0: it unfolds, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. what what is taking place in an open floor class, mm-hmm. what 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 happens when someone comes into that room? What can they expect? Do they need to know how to dance? Like, what is the yeah requirement?
1: right? So like like first timers guide, right? So like I don't know what an open floor practice is, but I just want to go check it out, right? So for people who want to do that, um, there's actually a guide to refer to on the open floor website for first timers, which I think is a really useful place, but I can say some of what's on there. Um, And that is, there's no steps to learn, first of all. So it's a completely open space for people to come and just to explore what's alive inside of them through movement. So in a lot of times, like if we were to walk into a room of people um, at a a party and a lot of times we would engage through words. So this is engaging in the field through movement. So the invitation is to go into our bodies and be creative about what's going on inside of us and let that move us. So it's an internally oriented practice. There is music, but the music is simply a guide and a friend. It's not what we ask people to even drop the music if it doesn't work. Like, don't worry about that. Worry about what, (laughs) or be focused and attentive to what's happening inside of ourselves. So, there's usually a period, the way we do our classes, Lynn Fleischman, Rebecca Padowitz, and myself all have. Uh, We're open floor teachers, and we have a Tuesday night class in Tucson, so we have somewhat of a pattern for what we offer. We invite people to come in and just warm up for a little while. And then we usually have a theme that we're working with. So the theme will be something that's in the realm of um, it could be emotionally related. How do we... um, how do we interact in relationship with another? It could be thought related, right? How do we change certain thoughts or notice what thoughts are running us? So there's, um, it could be spiritual, right? It could be how do we connect to spirit? What does that feel like in our bodies? What does that look like through our, through our movement? And it, it could be physical, right? It could be looking at literally creating new movement vocab- vocabulary. So there's lots of potential, there's infinite potential for themes. So we'll have a warm-up period, then we have a time in which we gather and talk about what it is we're working with, and then we practice that. And we practice it in relationship to ourselves, we practice it in relationship to others, to the group, and to our connection to spirit. So it's a, there's a weaving of a four-by-four, four, right? It's a foundational practice that when I say four-by-four, four, I'm talking about um, body, mind, heart, and soul woven into relationship with self, other, group, and spirit. Yeah. Right? So it's a found, that's the foundation of open floor.
0: It's, you know, I know for myself stepping into it and still being pretty new to it, a couple of things that I really love about it. I'm I'm a person that's not really comfortable on the dance floor. Like I, you know, I step in and I feel like I probably look like Elaine Bennis on Seinfeld. <laughs> and so to come in and just have that um, that space that is so welcoming, just as you are, bringing your whole self into the space, not needing to feel that. There's a need to perform or look or be a certain way. And you're just in this space with others and the, the intentional piece of not using vocalization. So just, you know, you're in this, in the company of others that feels supportive, just in movement, is incredible. It's like nothing else that, I've experienced even in yoga classes where we're not talking with each other, but it's a completely different—it's a completely different experience. It's—it uh, is difficult to describe, but I say this because I was, you know, really uh, nervous and kind of reluctant because I thought, oh, you know, people that are drawn to this are probably, you know, these beautiful beings that have been trained in dance or they're really comfortable with dance and. Um, And I and I'm not even though I'm comfortable on a yoga mat because there's very specific (laughs) directions about you know put your foot here bring your arm here you know and to be kind of have that left open um, is uh, it's powerful right
1: yeah 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 so thank you for saying that and bringing it back to the experience for somebody who might think they need to be a particular way in order to come onto the dance floor and. One of the basic tenets of open floor is move and include. So anything that comes up is okay, right? Like anything that comes up, we include that in our movement. There is no right way to be there. Now, of course, the facilitator is there to hold safe space, for, like to hold a place that's safe for people. So we're not going to let violence happen or, think, you know, we're going to contain it in such a way that it feels somewhat directed. However, the space is available for us to notice what comes up. right? With the seated meditation, many people are familiar with seated meditation practice. And the invitation is to come back to our breath quite often. right? To come back to, then we get distracted, we go away, we, f- we create a fantasy world, and then we remind ourselves to come back to our breath. Right? So, This is similar in the sense that we're inviting people to come back to movement and to find movement that we can drop into and to just find steady, resourceful movements for ourselves that we can just have hold us, especially for the first time, right? To come into those the place of the body to anchor us, to anchor us in our present moment.
0: Just to really yeah. feel, kind of from the head into into the full embodied state. So noticing yeah. what we're what we're feeling in the body, what we're feeling emotionally, what's arising in our thoughts, and being able to rather than sit in stillness with that and allow that to move through, we're actually able to to use the movement of our body to help move it along or, or allow it to pass through and allow whatever is coming up. I want to come back to um, what you said about you know, really, as a facilitator, um, holding the space and creating the container. Um, and you are so skillful with that. There's, I'm just amazed at how many skills go into facilitating an open floor class. I mean, not only do you clearly have this deep training and contemplative practice and, and being able to read um, the room and, you know, work with the theme that you've created but actually meet everyone in the space with that, but these incredible DJ skills that you have too that you bring to it and the way that you facilitate it where it's just everyone's has time to kind of, Move in their own way, but then there's um, mm-hmm. exercises where you're bringing people together. So, tell me about how you became certified in Open Floor. I mean, I just having been to a class, I can tell that this is a really deep, skillful process. But tell me mm-hmm. more about that. I don't think we've ever talked about that.
1: Yeah. So the the training is fairly new. Um, They called, I I was in the first round of people that our founders trained and they call us the first pancake (laughs) because we were, you know, it's got some lumps and it's not always cooked evenly on both sides, you know, it's like that, right? So there's a process and um, hopefully the second pancake is a little bit more even. So. The facilitator training requires, um, I don't remember the number of hours. I think it's uh, 100, maybe it's even 200 hours of mm, a combination of meditation or other movement practices. So that could be yoga, it could be five rhythms, it could be soul motion, it could, could be Nia. Right? And then we apply for that. And then there's modules that you go through. Um, there's three of them, and they're 10 days each. And that can be done expeditiously in about fourteen months, um, or it could be extended to about two years. And there's currently trainings going on in uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, North America, and Europe. Um, so there, the practice uh, of be, becoming a teacher is trying out classes. So, we have these core movement resources. We have these things that are uh, the foundations of our practice and we have to teach at least three classes on each of the core movement resources. And then we get feedback and we go through a mentorship program. So it's a uh, it's something that will probably change slightly over time given that this was the first round, but this is the foundation for what it is. Um, I don't know if that's what you're wanting to know, but that was, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Who started this? How did this even come about?
1: Right, so the founders are um, Andrea Juhon, um, Lori Saltzman, Kathy Altman, and Vic Cooper. They're the core founding members. Um, They were all heavily involved and students and teacher trainers for Gabrielle Roth's Five Rhythms. Um, so, our teacher Gabrielle died in 2012, and the four of them got together, um, having known each other through the Five Rhythms world for a long time, and said, look, this, we want to create something new, and this is what's come out of it. So Open Floor is a result of their combined energies and efforts. Um, you can look up details about them on, on the Open Floor website, which is openfloor.org, and it has bios of them, and they're all incredible human beings and bring something different. Um, one of the things that really inspires me about their structure is that they use dynamic governance. So the way that works is that there's 12 members um, that are founding members from all over the world, People who were steeped in the movement practice, and they came together, and they collectively started to create a curriculum. And so they create a curriculum, and they they create uh, our marketing. They create a library of resources for people who are trained in open floor. It's got a um, wide knowledge base, if you will. So it's it really walks its talk in that it's constantly being updated, there's constantly conversation about what should be included and how it should um, be woven into the curriculum, and it allows for a wide diversity of uses. So it's not just one person saying, this is what it is, and then when they die there's a bunch of confusion about what we're doing with this. It's it's you know, all the founding members at some point, when they die, there's going to be new information that comes in. There's going to be people who have been in this practice who get to have a voice about what it looks like. So it's designed for a collective intelligence. So right? That's something that's really exciting to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's such an important piece, I think, for it to be a, an iterative process and really to have teachers all over the world, you know, be able to inform based on what are we seeing um, in terms of how people are engaging with it, what's needed, how do we refine? How did you become involved in this? I know that in your in your professional life, you are incredibly skilled um, both as a as a body worker, as a massage therapist, and a a skilled teacher of people moving through massage therapy programs. Um, so in body practice, I know has been a big part of your life for a long time. But how did you come to Open Floor? What drew you in? <laughs>
1: um, it's, it's a good question. It's something that I wonder about. Um, I have a distinct memory of being um, about 13 years old, and I went to my first Grateful Dead show, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because there was a first-time experience of seeing people move freely, right? That turned me on like nothing else, like I just went, oh my god, these people are moving however they feel like. Right. And that felt real. And then I started doing it. At first it was like really awkward looking and then I started doing it and I was like, oh, this feels so good. Right. Like there was a freedom in just being able to flail about. Right. And look like a total Egypt and nobody cares, you know, which is very much what the space of Open Floor allows for. We need that time to just flail about. Right, And just kind of find our way and find what's moving through us and how it wants to move. right? So that was my introduction to freestyle movement. And then as far as finding open floor goes, um, I remember in massage school, there was a guy named Robert Littman. He was a teacher. Um, and he had us do a two-day experience we had these giant sheets of paper and we laid down on them, and our friends would trace us an outline of our body. And then we drew in the body, we drew in whatever we wanted to, and we were given the opportunity to move to this piece of art that was our body in front of the group and to pick music if we wanted. We could do it in silence. I had been. I had recently had three friends die um, in my life very young, in their 20s. And I was experiencing a lot of grief. I don't think I was aware how much grief I had moving through me. But given the opportunity to draw, those friends came to life in the art. I gave them each places on my body and as spirits for me and as angels. And then when I danced, I realized they were angels for me. That's how I considered them. And my, my friend Scotty, um, he was very present for me. And I, I played the song Angel by Jimi Hendrix. And um, I danced to the song. And I just was able to have a space of being witnessed in my grief and in my connection to something that I couldn't see or feel or identify. I was 22 years old, and I really had no reference for how to grieve. And it was so powerful, both the witnessing and the moving and the space. And I felt the power in that. So ever since then, I, I saw how much the body holds. And when we give it a space to move what's inside of it, we can become conscious of what's there and and be able to let that rise to the surface. So I mean, I, I danced. Uh, I went looking for open floor. I was at Omega Institute a few years later. And um, I snuck into Gabrielle Roth's workshop she was doing a professional workshop she was doing slow dancing with chaos at Omega Institute and I I snuck in and I totally went. I was like this is so cool and I, I got what it was um, and I started looking for five rhythms and um, so I was going to do a five rhythms training for a long time and then she died and uh, when open floor came up it was a clear yes for me clearly I went yeah that's that's my training.
0: Yeah, it's there is an incredible power in moving the body, and as you said, getting to things that we may not know either yeah. how to access. We might not know they're there. We may not know what to do with some of the feelings that we have. Um, it, that's really resonant for me about the how movement, you know, really supported you through the grieving process. Um, Right, I think in this in our society we don't really know. We don't know how to grieve. We don't know really how to be in community with it. And I think um, many of us really struggle with how we're supposed to move through it um, in our in our own individual way and, and bringing movement into it. I think it's really powerful, and that taps into. For me, kind of this, you know, it's uh, as I mentioned. You know, I've spent a lot of years in in yoga practice, and have felt that open floor has kind of created access or opened up some things that um, I may not have even gotten to in that practice. And what do you think is around the way that, that conscious dance helps with that level of, of self-awareness and, and exploration that other forms of practice maybe can't get into as deeply or as quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very different. I, I love yoga and have practiced it at different times as well, as well as. At Done the asana and sat and meditation. I think the main two things that make open floor different are, first of all, it's it's done in a way that isn't directed. So whereas in yoga classes we are moving, but we're told where to place our feet, our hands, our breath. Right? It's very it's very clear. You're doing this asana for this outcome. In open floor, the direction is coming from within. So even though we have cueing through music, um, there's other people around us moving, the facilitator, the teacher might be saying words of guidance, really what the practice is is to go from what's moving through us and what's alive in us and to look at that, right? So. We could move, and I can be making very small movements, very subtle things with my hands, and, and that's all I'm doing. Or I could be laying on the floor and really paying attention to innate movement, which is just breath, right? The movement of cellular respiration, <laughs> the movement of very subtle things that are going on that we don't even pay attention to on a regular basis. Our thoughts moving through us. So, It can, or it can be wildly expansive movement, right? So it vacillates. So it doesn't look any particular way, which is the unique thing. The other piece, Leslie, that I think is really interesting is that it's all about relationship. We're we're relational beings. So as a moving meditation, Open Floor really looks at how we are in relationship to other people, to groups. So many of us have challenges working in groups, working with one other individual, right, one-on-one, and and bringing those relational discomforts, if you will, to the foregrounds. And being able to look at them and go, "Wow, um, I didn't realize I was so awkward with that," <laughs> and and then giving opportunity to engage and disengage in a way that resources us, and that's very different because in most other meditation practices, it's just us dealing with ourselves. Right, it's a solo practice for the most part, or we're being guided through a solo practice.
0: Yeah, I am. Really, um, very, very interested right now, and in, in doing some study around how we move contemplative practice from this place of just you know doing that work internally to how we do it relationally, and I I'm loving open floor for that. Um, you know i think what, when you come to the dance floor there's that opportunity right it's just as you said to see you know the way that that you are in that space is really kind of a mirror for how you might be moving through the world um, at that point in time and that shifts and changes right and and it, we see how it changes when yes. we moving through the practice, which is really powerful. One of the things that I found to be really incredible too is that without speaking with others, what we're communicating nonverbally, like people that I haven't had a verbal conversation with, when, you know, afterward, you know, when they've said, Oh, I noticed this or some observation, and it's quite deep and You know, sometimes things that I wasn't necessarily conscious of myself, but when I give it a little bit of of consideration and contemplation, I'm like, wow, yes. And I didn't realize I was just communicating that. Um, But in a way that's that's not, I say this, and I want to be clear, that it's not in a way that felt unsafe or, or intimidating at all. It was really in a way of feeling like, wow, I've really just been seen by mm-hmm. another person, which I think is, is really what all of us as human beings ultimately want, is to be seen, to be accepted, to be valued in community as we are. And open floor seems to be a, a way in which we can become better practiced at doing that. And at the same time, like, have this, Sense of play, I love the play. Um, yeah. The movement, you know, I th- I feel like a lot of our contemplative practices can feel so serious; <laughs> they can feel very disciplined. And open floor to me feels like it is this wonderful um, opportunity to kind of let go of some of those sheaths and just play. It was like when you facilitated yeah. a workshop, you know that was all day, and I passed you on the floor, and I said, "Is this real life? We're dancing all day." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's. I, I remember uh, Alan Watts' um, speech, and he talks about, you know, life is music, and we were supposed to dance and sing to it, you know. And that's I, I think about that quite a bit. when I'm, when I'm dancing and moving, it's like, how, how what's my dance like right now? And it's an opportunity to observe. And man, there's so much variety. I love how you say it shifts so much from day to day because I'll walk in in the crappiest mood and just be like, "Oh, I don't feel like doing this at all." <laughs> you know, So don't want to be here. So want to just be like, you know, futzing around on Facebook or back in my bed or something, you know, and then if I give myself to that and give that a movement and just go, yeah, okay, that's where you're at, move it, right? And maybe that just looks like dragging my feet around on the floor a little bit with my arms crossed, you know? And then if I really give myself to that, something new can arise, right? And then there's space for me to go, All right, I'm kind of done with that now. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) And something else just comes up. And I get to move that. And then there's the level of inspiration. Because really the invitation is to look around and use our mirror neurons, use our empathy, use our creativity to inspire each other, knowing we're in relationship with everybody and everything in the room. And allowing ourselves to be inspired to move in a way that we might not have thought of. I was at um, an open floor. I'm traveling right now in, in Philadelphia. I was uh, at an, class, an open floor class with Martha Sharples last week. And she had us do something called an open circle, which is a witnessing piece. People stand around the outsides, And as they're moved, they come in and will dance and then go back out and witness. and there was a woman, and I was kind of in a place of like, ah, I'm kind of done, like I feel a little bit like sluggish and not really into it, but then something just pushed, something from inside of myself just said yes to whatever was happening, and I went in to move that, and there was another woman, and our sides, our arms met, our hands met, we kind of slid into each other's resonance, And we begin to do this thing that happens so often in these conscious dance practice. We went into a place of resonating resonating mirror. And limbic resonance is what arises. Like It's a sense of our fields, and our emotional center started to merge, and we started to move together in relationship to each other, and that relationship changed everything it, like my emotional brain went into an expansive place and I was I felt lighter and in that lightning both of us got this sense of ease in our movement and it just transformed both of us we just stayed with it we stayed with it until it was done and then we went back out but that's the experience so often is it's like we get to give ourselves to the dance or to a relationship with another person and forget about the whatever else was going on, or just letting it pass. It's not even forgetting about it. It's just letting that come up and then fall away. And the problem. other thing is like
0: yeah.
1: Go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's, it's, just, it's such a, a fundamental piece for me, because I remember when I first started dancing, um, five rhythms and the instructor would cue us to partner. And I hated partnering. It was like, no, because in my mind, that meant I was no longer free to do what I wanted to do. It took me quite a while to figure out that that was just my thought, that that wasn't true (laughs) at all. And that not everybody thinks that, right? But that was my conditioning coming up, right? That was my, uh, codependency, if you will, right? That was my conditioning of like, oh, now I'm going to be in relationship with this person and I'm kind of conf- like, oh, my freedom, brr, you know, like it felt awkward. I have to do what they have to do. You know, how am I going to? And I, <laughs> I think it's something a lot of people confront in partnering is there's a, a fear of everything about being in one-on-one relationship just comes right up. And that's the cueing from our limbic system, from our, our cerebral, you know, from our hindbrain, from our conditioning about our thoughts. But once I got that that was mine and it wasn't real, I got an opportunity to go past that and go, oh, let me play with just doing my own dance. And then I realized that that was actually okay. <laughs> wow. I think it saved a lot of my relationships off the dance floor, right? <laughs> this prac this practice, right? Because I I got that like, oh, it's okay for me to like do what is alive inside of me, and still be in relationship to what they're doing. Yeah, right?
0: yeah, that's such a powerful insight and a great example, great example of how just being in this practice, you know, can can open up really quickly and take us to you know, some really deep places of self-awareness. I loved what you were describing to you about being with this stranger, really, in this most recent practice, and how in your dance together it was so resonant. Um, because to me, it speaks to part of our process of of being able to cultivate authentic compassion for others. You know, we're, we're usually kind of, um, naturally just sort of restrictive with our feelings of compassion as, as they arise you know if, if I'm close to you if I feel comfortable with you um, if I identify with you then that's really available but it's it's work to have that vulnerability to be in space with another and to really resonate with what the other person, is feeling and experiencing, which is, you know, really the, the crux of how we cultivate compassion for those, you know, beyond our immediate and group. This is a really, really powerful practice on a lot of levels. I'm really excited that it's that we have it here in Tucson. I know that there are certified instructors all over the world. Um, uh, so for those that are listening, if you are in Tucson, there are three um, weekly open floor opportunities. The the local website here with the schedule is Dance Move. Move
1: Dance Connect or Dance Move Connect. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> DMC. <laughs>
0: awesome. Um, with dances on. Tuesday evening, Friday evening, and Sunday morning. Are there others that I
1: am missing? Mm-hmm. In that so our open floor classes only on Tuesday nights from six to seven thirty at Dunbar Spring Pavilion, um, and people can find out about that through Open Floor Tucson on Facebook, and Dance Move Connect is um, the larger umbrella of dance. Uh, We have Freestyle Fridays, which is 7.30 to 9, is that right? 7.30 to 9 on Fridays. And that's at the um, Old Pueblo Dance Center. Um, It's near First and Fort Lowell. And then Sunday mornings uh, from 10.30 to 12.30 at the Old Pueblo Dance Center. Um, And that is also a freestyle dance. And um, yep, so Sandra and Michael Morse started that about four years ago. And they have grown this beautiful, loving community, as you know. So definitely a great way to get involved is to go to one of If the class seems too intimidating or too, um, too much, going to one of the larger dances. But I actually recommend going to a class first. And then getting resources to go to a free dance, so that when you go in, you're more available for what's happening.
0: Okay. So Valerie, let's talk a little bit about how the movement, how the dance, how this embodied practice um, actually supports us on a physiological and an emotional level.
1: So. There's, Stephen Porges talks about the, um, the vagal nervous system and polyvagal theory, um, and if that's too heady, uh, there's, there's so much research. I'm not a neuroscientist by any means, <laughs> but there's this social engagement system which helps us to modulate and even calm our arousal in social situations. It is something that is developed um, to have us be able to be excited or emotionally engaged and then to, at the same time, bring our mindfulness or our prefrontal cortex into the conversation so that we're able to stay with a conversation or a connection, even if we're getting emotionally charged during it, and this is a practice to stay with our our without getting defensive, without doing fight or flight, right, which are our normal responses or freeze, um, but to be able to stay active and present, and this is a practice. So one of the reason why mindfulness practices and doing this through open floor in relationship, we get to be with other people and watch the emotional charge come up, watch the thoughts around that come up and practice including that in the conversation and staying with it anyway. Um, yeah, I mean Luis Cozzolino is, uh, he says relationships are a natural habitat. So practicing being in relationship and staying with it, no matter what comes up, um, and staying present with ourselves so that we can respond instead of react is a huge part of what we're doing in Open Floor, which is why it's a compassion practice. It's a place where we can have those harder conversations and still stay with ourselves and still stay with the other simultaneously.
0: Yes, Stephen Porges in polyvagal theory. Full disclosure: I'm not a neuroscientist either. Um, I saw him speak at Stanford a couple of years ago, and oh wow, uh, Chuck, Chuck Raison, our um, our center's uh, founding faculty director, um, he's a brilliant psychiatrist, and he's he said, "Oh, Stephen Porges, he's my hero." Um, Polyvagal theory, yes, It's part of what really blew me away when I heard him speak, and I think this is really um, makes so much sense about the movement, is our vagus nerve, which is connected at the, the base of our brain and sort of snakes all the way down to connect at, at the pelvis. Um, he found that there are kind of three different points along the, the vagus nerve that when they are and innervated or, or activated through particular movements um, or, or chanting um, that it actually helps to strengthen. Um, so, vagal tone, I guess, you know, open floor is a way for us to strengthen vagal tone, which is so, so, so powerful, as you said, in terms of being able to hold space, compassionate space for ourselves and for others, you know. We have to. We have to have the ability to um, strengthen our nervous systems so that we can handle the discomfort that arises when we begin to explore our own emotional states, our own thought states, and certainly to be able to be present with others. And to be present with others in times of difficulty um, or or threat. And threat meaning just what you were referencing earlier around, you know, patterning of thoughts. I I don't mean actual legitimate physical threats. That's a completely different scenario. Right. But so often, right, we have these patterns of thought that that um, that feel like threat that that aren't. And so mm-hmm. creating bagel tone is a way for us to begin to Unpack that, dismantle that a little bit, and, and be with be with the full range of experience.
1: Mm-hmm. So amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that the the three places. I didn't know that. So there's do you, do you know what the three places of engagement are?
0: There's there's three three different points along um, the vagus nerve and. When I heard him speak at Stanford, I, you know, this was my first time hearing this. And I've just, at this point, been engaged in Sita meditation and asana practice for years. And, you know, just had this sense of um, how asana is really transformative. And,
1: uh-huh.
0: um, hadn't really studied sort of the science of why that is. I had immersed a lot in uh, the texts and Mm. um, some of the more, I guess, esoteric learnings. But he's making this presentation, and he's uh, talking about how they studied uh, monks and, and yogis and found that through chanting, And the movement of the jaw and what's happening with the resonance of the sound, so that actually innervates a part of the vagus nerve that that brings us into uh, parasympathetic, so our rest and repair, um, part of our autonomic nervous system. And that's also innervated when we are engaged in certain movements. So there's Mm -hmm. asana practices that actually Innervate that part of the nerve, and then um, for uh, Muslims, for example, the the um, the kneeling and even the prostration and prayer does that as well. Mm. It was mm. mind blowing.
1: <laughs> mm. So it, was, it, it makes really- me wonder about the Bundas, you know. In yes. yoga, the bunda, so there's the, the root lock, the diaphragmatic or the solar plexus lock, and then the throat yes. lock, right? I wonder if those three places correspond to the vagal systems yes. um, innervation, the places where when we engage there, that it makes a difference in helping us regulate between our sympathetic and our parasympathetic.
0: Exactly. His work is so powerful, oh. I, I am not
1: I'll Have to look that up. Well,
0: studied in it, but I, um, yes, it, it made so much sense to me. It felt like a light bulb went on, as to you know. So it's, you know, we know we know through our own lived experience, right, that that these things are are powerful in ways that, um, in some way, we know it's not magic, but it's you know it's really amazing to see how uh, scientists are making these connections um, around how. Mm-hmm. And how and it really reinforces I think how important it is for us to bring practices in um, that are embodied that that you know it's wonderful for us to have um, our traditional seated meditation practices I teach those I find them valuable but I also know that. Um, that my teacher that I've learned from, I know that that's that's not the extent of his practices. I know that there there is a whole um, movement-based practice involved in his daily practices as well. Um, and I I love that this is a uh, open floor is a wonderful way to explore without feeling that you're coming into a discipline with a a lineage to follow and and rules. And um, it's it's a really wonderful way to just show up as you are um, with other people coming in as they are in a safe and supportive environment to explore, to be with. And it's hard to describe. It has to be experienced
1: but yeah and to go from um, one of the continuums we work with is going from shadow to possibility right going from our habit uh, to our choice right so finding what what habits are ingrained and reading this book breaking the habit of being yourself and it talks about the neuro, emotional, physiological components of habits and conditioning. And if it, we're just changing our thought, that doesn't really work. If we're just changing our, um, our, thought, our emotions, it doesn't really work. We need to engage both with the body and the mind and the, the emotions all at once. And that's one of the opportunities that a moving meditation provides is that you're working on several levels at once and it can be a more powerful access to doing something different. Right shaping us differently.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. a great a great idea. They're both amazing experiences. Wow. Valerie, this is as always, it's so wonderful to be conversation with you. I'm so grateful to have have found you and to have found this practice, and I hope that folks that are listening come and explore it, um, if you haven't already, because it is a, a really profound way to get to know yourself, but also to really feel a strong sense of connectedness and and community with others.
1: Man, we need it Mm -hmm. right now,
0: especially.
1: We do. We do, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity, Leslie. It's, um, It's a very deep, rich practice. And I'm learning a lot from it every time I step on the dance floor.
0: Thank you so much, dear one.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: well there we are friends thanks so much for joining valerie and i in that conversation about conscious dance and our little process of kind of what I call layperson geeking out on neuroscience there at the end. Um, For those of you who are much more studied with that, um, I'd love to hear from you if you'd like to drop me a line. I hope that you come away from this curious about open floor, curious about ways in which we can come into our bodies more fully as a way to help access our hearts on a deeper level. I was talking with some friends recently about the experience of open floor and I was so struck by the feeling of in that hour and a half that we're all together on the floor, everyone is free. If you're in the Tucson community with us, check out the schedule for dance at DanceMoveConnect.com. There are three dances each week and everyone is welcome. If you are outside of Tucson and you're really interested in Open Floor, uh, check out Open Floor online for a list of certified instructors in your area there are instructors all over the world thanks for listening we'll chat with you next time and to learn more about the center for compassion studies visit us online at compassioncenter.arizona.edu this has been another episode of the University of Arizona Center for Compassion Studies, Conversations on Compassion. This has been produced by Gary Forger. Our sound engineer is Gary Darnell. Music produced by Gary Darnell and the incredible team at the University of Arizona Office of Instruction and Assessment. This is Leslie Langbert with the Center for Compassion Studies. Thanks for listening.